بسم الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله على آله وصحبه ومن سار على نهجه إلى يوم الدين الحمد لله رب العالمين for another day in Ramadan and الحمد لله that you are still here with me جزاكم الله خيرا for coming back again and uh, I'm going to start into talking about uh, the preservation of the Quran again before I go there, I just wanted to mention about my last session. There was a small mistake. I mentioned the name of a Sahabi. Uh, I said An-Nawras bin Sam'an. His, his name is An-Nawasu bin Sam'an. I mentioned it wrong. It's An-Nawasu bin Sam'an. I have a friend who's called Abu Nawras, so probably that's why I, I said the wrong name. So uh, just uh, I wanted to correct that. Uh, and before uh, I dive into the written preservation of the Quran, I wanted to share with you this story about one of the Sahaba. His name is Khuzayma. Khuzayma, the Prophet bought a horse from a Bedouin. And the Prophet took that Bedouin to pay him the price of his horse. The messenger of Allah walked quickly and the Bedouin walked slowly. So the messenger of Allah was ahead of him. The people stopped the Bedouin and began to bargain with him for the horse as they did not know that the Prophet had already bought it. Now it turned out that the Bedouin is, is, is a bad person. So the Bedouin called the messenger of Allah saying, if you want this horse, then buy it. Otherwise, I shall sell it. So it, it, it seems like he had been hearing, you know, better price, even though he already committed to buying it to the Prophet. So the Prophet stopped when he heard the call of the Bedouin and said, have I not bought it from you? And the Bedouin said, I swear by Allah, I have not sold it to you, subhanAllah. So the Prophet said, yes, I have bought it from you. The Bedouin began to say, bring a witness. Khuzayma ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu then said, I bear witness that you have bought it. And the Prophet turned to Khuzayma and said, on what grounds do you bear witness? Khuzayma said, by considering, by considering you trustworthy. At the end of the day, you're the messenger of Allah, right? And so the Prophet made the witness of Khuzayma, radiallahu anh, equivalent to the witness of two people. That's related in Sahih Abu Dawood, hadith number 3607, and several other ahadith as well. Why am I mentioning this hadith? You'll know later on. But keep that story in mind, inshallah. Khuzayma. So last time we talked about the preservation of the Quran orally. I wanted to mention how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked about the preservation of the Quran in all of its forms, in all of its phases in the Quran. I'm going to only use translations in English. And of course, we know that translations are not the 
exact accurate words of Allah, but we're trying our best to, um, to translate. In Surah Al-Waqi'ah, ayat number 75 to 79, Allah says, So I do swear by the positions of the stars, and this, if only you knew, is indeed a great oath, that this is truly a noble Qur'an in a well-preserved book touched by none except the purified angels. In Surah Al-Buruj, ayat number 21 and 22, Allah says, in fact, this is a glorious Qur'an recorded in a preserved tablet. These two ayat are telling us how the Qur'an is preserved in the heavens before it even came down to us. There's also a couple of ayat that I'm going to share with you where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that it was even preserved during the transfer to us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Shu'ara, ayat number 210 and 211, He says, it was not the devils who brought this Qur'an down. It is not for them to do so, nor can they for they are strictly barred from even overhearing it. And in Surah Al-Jinn, ayat number eight and nine, when the jinns are speaking, they said, earlier we tried to reach heaven for news, only to find it filled with stern guards and shooting stars. We used to take up positions there for eavesdropping. But whoever dares eavesdrop now will find a flare lying in wait for them. And finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about how he was going to preserve it in the heart of the Prophet when it came to him. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah uh, Al-Qiyamah, Ayat number 16 to 19. Do not rush your tongue trying to memorize a revelation of the Quran. Because the Prophet, والسلام, after he used to receive the uh, Quran, he used to be so worried. And also, he used to be so happy with the Quran, right? Worried and happy. So he, he, he loved the Quran. He wanted to memorize it. But also, he was worried that he will forget it. So he always used to try to repeat whatever was revealed to him. Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And the sahabas, sahabas used to see him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, moving his uh, lips, uh, trying to uh, repeat uh, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that he doesn't forget him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it is certainly upon us to make you memorize and recite it. So once we have recited a revelation through Jibreel, follow its recitation closely, then it is surely upon us to make it clear to you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is um, calming the Prophet sallallahu and telling him not to worry about it. It's he, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be taking care of this also. Now, we also talked how the uh, oral, oral transmission happened. And we now understand from the previous session how we have different qira'at, how there are uh, 
by the end of the life of the Prophet وسلم, the Quran was being recited in different styles, uh, in many different ways, way above 10 even. But today we have 10 that got to us in a, a mutawatir fashion. And we're going to also talk about why 10. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran uh, several names for the Quran. One is, of course, the Quran. And second is Al-Kitab. Allah calls it Al-Kitab in many different ayat. And Al-Kitab in English means the book. And so not only was it preserved in recitation, as in Qara'a, to recite Quran, the, the thing that is recited, it is also preserved as Al-Kitab, the book. I am going to share with you a lot of ahadith that are very important. Each of these ahadith will give us a glimpse of what was happening at the time of the Prophet And all of these little uh, bits and pieces, you will see when we put them together, uh, subhanAllah gives us the whole picture of how uh, it happened. The Prophet ﷺ was the most generous person, and he used to become more so, particularly in the month of Ramadan, because Jibreel used to meet him every night of the month of Ramadan till it elapsed. Allah's Messenger ﷺ used to recite the Qur'an for him. When Jibreel met him, he used to become more, gener more generous than the fast wind in doing good. Bukhari, hadith number 4,997. So from this hadith, we know that Jibreel used to meet the Prophet ﷺ every night of Ramadan. And from other hadith, we know that they used to um, review the Qur'an together. What used to happen is Jibreel would come down during the month of Ramadan, recite the Quran for the Prophet ﷺ. This way, the Prophet ﷺ would know any new ayat, if any, uh, that came down. He will also learn any abrogated ayat, if any were abrogated. And he will learn any new uh, different styles, the different ahruf that came if there were any. And after Jibreel would recite the Quran to the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ would recite back to Jibreel. There is another hadith, uh, I don't believe I have it in this PowerPoint, but it says that they used to do tadarus, which means they used to recite it to each other. And that's what, what happened. So each year, if you think about it, it was a, as if they recited it twice together, right? In Bukhari Hadith 4998, Jibreel used to repeat the recitation of the Quran with the Prophet once a year, but he repeated it twice with him in the year that he died. The Prophet used to stay in Atikaf for 10 days every year in the month of Ramadan. But in the year of his death, he stayed in Atikaf for 20 days. So 
We know also here that the Prophet ﷺ in the last year, the, the year of his death ﷺ, he reviewed the Qur'an twice. So that means Jibreel read it twice to him and then he read it twice back to Jibreel. And uh, th that is called Al-Arda Al-Akhira, the, the last um, uh, review, if you, if you want to call it. And many of the Sahabas witnessed that. Uh, among them was Zayd ibn Thabit. We mentioned him in the last session. And we're going to talk about this uh, again. The Sahaba used to rely on each other on learning what came down from the Quran and other revelations or Sunnah if they couldn't make it. Uh, there's an example of Umar ibn Khattab relaying his, his story um, in Bukhari in Hadith 2468, where Umar expresses that you know not all the time he could be with the Prophet وسلم, so he had made. Uh, a deal with uh, another Sahabi that whenever he couldn't make it, the other Sahabi would go and then he would uh, memorize whatever the Prophet ﷺ would say and he would uh, tell it to Umar and then Umar would know it and also the other way around. We know that at some point there's the um, incident of Yom Bi'ri uh, Ma'una at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, where 70 of the memorizers of the Qur'an died. So we know that during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, there was this incident where 70 of the people who memorized the entire Qur'an died. So, so that means there were also a lot of other memorizers of the Qur'an that are still alive. So we know that memorizing the entire Qur'an was very spread out at the time of the Prophet And again, I have to remind everybody that the, the people of the Prophet were umiyun, right? They didn't know how to read and write. So their memory was so good because that's that's all they had. They, they didn't use to write things down and, and then read it back to remember things. They, they had uh, mastered the ability to use their memories to remember things. And they used to memorize long poetry uh, and, and, and a lot of things. Uh, and, and they could always uh, recite it by heart without any problem. And that's why also the Sahabas were well prepared to receive the Quran. You know, most of them, the Prophet ﷺ would say the ayah probably one time and that's it. They all already know it by heart. So it was easy for them to memorize. We know from a hadith that is muttafaq alayh, which means uh, agreed upon between uh, Bukhari and Muslim, that the Prophet used to forbid traveling with the Qur'an to the land of the enemies. And that hadith shows us, along with many other hadith, that the Qur'an used to be written. And the Prophet ﷺ used to tell people not to take the written pieces of the Qur'an with them to the land of the enemies, because he uh, feared that those parts of the Qur'an would land in the hands of enemies. So that's just, you know, a small like I said, bits and pieces of the whole picture that the Quran used to be written at the time of the Prophet 
And the Prophet used to stop Sahabas, especially in the beginning of his lifetime, not at the end, uh, but used to stop Sahabas in the beginning from writing anything other than the Quran at the beginning, not of his lifetime, at the beginning of his uh, prophethood. He wanted to make sure that people do not mix up what is Quran with Sunnah or not Quran, right? So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to order uh, whoever was writing something down that if it's not Quran to erase it or get rid of it, just write down the Quran so that he made sure the Quran was protected and intact. Abdullah bin Amr mentioned Abdullah bin Mas'ud and said, I shall ever love that man. That man meaning Abdullah bin Mas'ud. For I heard the Prophet saying, take the Quran from four people. Abdullah bin Mas'ud, Salim, Mu'adh, and Ubay ibn Ka'b. And why I'm mentioning here this hadith, which is a Bukhari hadith, uh, number 4,999, I want you to remember Abdullah bin Mas'ud. We said how important uh, uh, he is and how uh, he has a great status with the Quran. Uh, and uh, something's going to happen later on. We're going to discuss about him. Ubay ibn Ka'b also, as I mentioned, he's one of the first writers of the Quran when it used to be revealed. And he he's also one of the first people to have memorized the entire Quran. He is also among those four, which the Prophet said, take or learn the Quran from them. Abdullah bin Mas'ud said in Bukhari 5002, by Allah, other than whom none has the right to be worshipped. There is no surah revealed in Allah's book but I know at what place it was revealed. And there is no verse revealed in Allah's book, but I know about what it was revealed. And if I know that there is somebody who knows Allah's book better than I, and he is at a place that camels can reach, I would go to him. So subhanAllah, you can see how much knowledge and how much uh, information Abdullah bin Mas'ud had. He, he really knew the Qur'an from cover to cover and all the te- details concerning it. And probably other Sahabas as well. But here specifically we have uh, this uh, in Bukhari about him. Now also another hadith in Bukhari 5003 narrated by Qatada. I asked Anas ibn Malik who collected the Qur'an at the time of the Prophet I mentioned that in the last session. I didn't have the hadith in front of me. So this time I have the four people here that is that are mentioned in this hadith. And Anas ibn Malik answered, four, all, all of whom were from the Ansar. Ubay ibn Ka'b, Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Zayd ibn Thabit, and Abu Zayd. Now two things. Uh, to pay attention in this hadith. Just because Anas says four, doesn't mean there's only four who actually collected the Quran, but that means four that Anas knew collected the Quran, right? Because 
definitely Anas didn't know the thousands of Sahabas around and didn't know who was writing the Quran who, and who was not. But he knew at least these four had collected the Quran at the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And two of them are who we said Ubay ibn Ka'b. I want you to remember those names Ubay ibn Ka'b and Zayd ibn Thabit, right? Zayd ibn Thabit, the one who used to always be called by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to write down um, ayat. And in Bukhari 4990, there was revealed not equal are, the, are those believers who sit at home and those who strive and fight in the cause of Allah. That's in Surah An-Nisa, ayah number 95. When this ayah was being revealed, the Prophet said, call Zayd, Zayd ibn Thabit for me, and let him bring the board, the ink pot, and the scapula bone. The scapula bone is a wide bone, sh shoulder. So that shows you that the Prophet wasallam used to call Zayd, as we spoke before, and that is mentioned in many a hadith how Zayd was um, chosen for that uh, in a lot of times. And Zayd used to be the uh, neighbor of the Prophet So it was very easy to use him. And Zayd was excellent in languages as well. We know that. The Prophet would order someone to write the ayat, as we had said last session, and then asks that person after he had written it to recite it back to him to double check it and make sure that he wrote it correctly, right? So this is how it was being written at the time of the Prophet And when the ayat used to come to the Prophet also from many a hadith, you know, there's so many hadith, I can't really get you all of them, but um, really, everything is in Bukhari or Muslim, and I, I don't get a hadith except there are sahih, alhamdulillah. So I hope uh, you can trust me on that. Um, the, there's so many hadith that tell us that the Prophet وسلم, when he used to receive the ayah, he would tell the sahabas that are around to put that ayah in the surah that was saying this and that. So they would know which surah to put it in. And then he would also tell them, you know, put it ahead of this ayah or after that ayah. So the Prophet ﷺ was being guided by Jibreel. Every time something was being revealed to him, the Qur'an was being reshuffled, right? Because we know that the Qur'an, the order in which it was revealed was one thing, but the Qur'an that we are reading now and how it was meant to be at the end was totally different. So every time the Prophet ﷺ used to receive a revelation, the uh, Jibreel would tell him where to put it, which surah, and the order, uh, you know, before and after which ayah to put it in. When the Prophet ﷺ entered Mecca victorious, uh, and that's Fathu Makkah. And we said last time that happened when he was around 61 years of old, uh, years old, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Many of the surrounding tribes entered into Islam. 
but with with that said many of those people in those tribes did not enter islam out of real belief they entered out of diplomacy and out of allegiance to the person of the prophet so it's not like you know the fatha makkah happened and mashallah everybody has full iman and everybody is great sahabas suddenly that that's not really how it was right because the prophet opened mecca and all the tribes feared him and and they saw that you know something's happening here and they gave allegiance to him so um most or a lot of the people who entered you have to keep in mind did not have good iman or didn't really know islam that well yet so when the prophet died many of those muslims started objecting on things and and we know that many of those muslims refused to pay zakah which is a pillar of islam when that happened uh, the sahaba gathered and you know made mashura about this it, it was problematic for them because uh the sahaba was worried were worried because you know now all these tribes uh that are around them that j- just joined islam and you know a lot of them if not most of them are complaining and are refusing to pay zakah excuse me so uh, refusing to pay zakah uh so the sahaba even umar ibn khattab was saying maybe we should just be lenient with them until later until we get stronger because you know we're really still weak um uh, we we did open mecca but now all these tribes they're they're all around us and they are you know they will overwhelm us so let's just be uh lenient with them and then later we'll we'll ask them again to pay zakat and that was the opinion of the majority of the sahabas except abu bakr uh, may allah be pleased with him subhanallah abu bakr was the only one who refused to accept that and he saw the uh, the danger of accepting something like that you know he said if we accept now telling those people that it's okay for you not to pay zakah these people are are going to come back and start saying oh we we don't want to fast or let's not hajj is not really uh, mandatory or you know they're going to start bargaining with the deen and anyways the deen is not up to us to decide or to be lenient about it's from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right so abu bakr was able to wake the sahaba up and to remind them not to fear anybody except allah the lord of everything and he convinced them to stand firm for the deen of allah and refuse to compromise and thereupon the harub of ridda the wars of apostasy started taking place uh, at the time of abu bakr right he's the khalifa right after the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so those two years where abu bakr was the khalifa uh, those wars were happening 
and a lot of people died, especially in uh, Al-Yamama uh, and Waqa'at uh, Al-Yamama, a lot of about 70 also uh, memorizers of the Quran uh, died. And, and one of them was one of the four people that I mentioned in, the, in my previous slide here, uh, Salim. So remember we said four of people, the Prophet وسلم, said you should take the Quran from. One of them was Salim So when Umar al-Khattab saw what was happening, he really got uh, scared. You know, we're losing a lot of uh, memorizers of the Quran. Salim just died. He said, maybe we should write the Quran down. So he went to uh, Abu Bakr and he told Abu Bakr, uh, let's write the Quran down. Let's, let's, um, uh, sorry, not, not write the Quran down. Let's collect the Quran down in a master copy to be more accurate, right? Let's collect the Quran in a master copy because right now there are a few people who collected the Quran, but Allahu Alam, how's the status of this collection? How accurate it is? If it's up to the latest, um, if it's up to to up to the latest, uh, uh, you know, arda, uh, right? To the latest review that the Prophet وسلم, had the last year um, that he died. Um, so he wanted to compile the Quran. Uh, in the best form, in a way that it will be preserved for the Muslims. And Abu Bakr, when he heard that first, he totally refused that. He was against it. And he said he would never do that because he felt that he would be doing something that the Prophet ﷺ did not do. He said, why would I do something the Prophet ﷺ himself didn't do? I would be doing something new in, in, in the deen, right? But Umar al-Khattab kept telling him how important this is and how it's not, he's not creating something in the deen. All what he's doing is compiling the Quran and he's preserving it for future generation. Just to make sure that, you know, just in case memorizers die or we don't have enough memorizers or future generations are not as good as at memorizing which we're not uh, that that would stay with us and uh, Omar bin al-Khattab kept insisting and in, in, you know talking to Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, until he convinced him and Abu Bakr uh, in Bukhari 4986 we know that finally his heart he says that his heart opened up and he felt comfortable with the idea and he realized that it is good for the ummah. After all, the Prophet ﷺ did say also that right? So whoever does something good and other people do good with it uh, without inventing in the deen because the... the Abu Bakr was not inventing in the deen. Oh, what was he doing? He was compiling what the Prophet ﷺ used to say. He wasn't really doing anything new. So he felt comfortable with it and he did order Zayd ibn Thabit to compile, collect the Quran uh, and make a master copy. And again, Zayd ibn Thabit uh, went through the same thing. 
Zayd ibn Thabit did not feel comfortable with it in the beginning. And now Abu Bakr did the same thing with Zayd and was able to convince Zayd ibn Thabit to collect the Quran. Uh, it's amazing to learn about these Sahabas and how they're so serious and how they cared about their deen and protecting it. Um, subhanallah. So after that, by the way, Zaid, when, when he was given this order to collect the Quran, he, he says in a hadith that if he was asked to carry a mountain, that would have been easier for him than to carry all these, uh, you know, Quran and collect them. Because for him, it was such a uh, responsibility, right? This is a great responsibility. And, and he acknowledged that. And he was, um, you know, really worried about that. He, radiallahu anh, started gathering all this information and it took him about 15 months to gather all these uh, these ayat. The way that they used to do it, they had a very uh, specific way of doing it. What did they do? Of course, he, he wasn't by himself, so there was other Sahabas that were helping him, but he was the lead, right? He was the lead in this project. And there was other hadith that state, for example, that he used to sit with Umar al-Khattab at the entrance of the masjid, and Umar al-Khattab would start calling out for the people, for the Sahaba, saying whoever had received ayat from the Quran, uh, from the Prophet wasallam himself, please come to us. So they had rules or conditions before they can take these ayats. First, they asked the Sahabas, whoever had received ayats from the Prophet So not, not that somebody heard a Sahabi reciting a Quran and then he wrote it down. That doesn't count. You cannot take that. Not that you heard the Prophet recite one time and then you wrote down what he recited. That doesn't count. It has to have been written in front of the Prophet and he approved of it. Okay? So, one, Zaid and, and all the, you know, Abu Bakr and Umar, they all agreed, the big Sahabas, that first, Whoever comes claiming that they have something from the Quran, first, it has to match whatever all the people already memorized. Because we said all the, you know, most of the Sahabas memorized the Quran by heart. So logically, one, condition number one, it has to match what most or some of the Sahabas memorized. Because we said there's different styles of the Quran. So it has to match uh, some of the styles of the Quran that were uh, uh, recited at the time of the Prophet That's condition number one. Uh, number two, it had to be written in front of the Prophet and approved by him. That's number two. Number three, they had whoever brings that 
has to have another witness with him because they had to have two witnesses. So they have to have another witness with them to say that, yes, I was with, I, I was with him when that came and I did witness him writing that down and the Prophet approving it. So these three conditions had to be met before they accepted it. Okay. So Zaid was collecting that through 15 months, just putting those ayat together, all the ayat that were uh, part of the Quran. And by the way, some ayat were uh, the same ayah in different styles, right? So it could be that there's the same ayah number, but it was recited from different people and written and approved from the Prophet So those ayat are gathered and just put together at the same spot, even though it's the same ayah, but they preserved it because they're different styles. It's approved and it's memorized and it's there. And Zaid realized at the end that there were two, writ, uh, two ayat that the Sahabas memorized and he memorized by heart, but they didn't have a written version for them. So they collected the Quran and then Zaid re realized that there's still two ayat they have memorized all of them, right? All of them memorized those two ayat, but they still don't have somebody who came and, and said, I have those two ayat and I have a witness with me for them. And finally, somebody came and said, who has these two ayat? And can somebody tell me who was that person? Does anybody know? Can you chat? Can you type it for me? So that person was the person that I mentioned in the beginning of the session. Remember when I talked about Khuzayma radiyallahu an? Khuzayma? the Sahabi that the Prophet وسلم, during his lifetime, he said, this man, his witnessing is equal to the witness of two people. Allahu Akbar. Like, can, can you tell me how this is possible? Like, how, how can that all fit together like that? The Prophet وسلم, during his lifetime, documented by Bukhari in many different ahadith that Khuzayma had this incident and the Prophet وسلم, said that his witnessing is enough and is equivalent to two witnessing. And here Khuzayma comes to Zaid and says to Zaid, I have these two ayat. And Zaid says, uh, but you're all by yourself. And then Zaid remembers that incident as related in Bukhari 4989. And he accepts those two ayats from him. And then 
we have the entire Quran compiled just like that at the time of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. So I'm going to stop here. Inshallah, we'll talk next time about the compilation also that happened at the time of Uthman uh, radiallahu anhu. But for now, I think that should be enough for today.